Welcome to your 16th beer supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. My name is Aaron, Aaron Rajamani, and this is Mr. Jesse Richardson. Hey, that's me. Yeah. Hi, Aaron. Hello. How are hey. you? I'm, I'm doing really well, thank you, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Yeah, this is an exciting milestone podcast, which is very exciting. Yeah, 16 episodes. See, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's an important milestone. Yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> I, I didn't think we'd, we'd get here, no, um, but yeah. uh, I did prepare a bit of a speech. Um, no, no, I no. didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> You've let me down so many times. One more time, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> well, why is, why is this a milestone podcast, Aaron? Um, because traditionally, 16 episodes is the episode um, where we um, decide to... Look, I don't know where I was going yeah. with that. It's got nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe it's a milestone because because in this episode, Aaron, instead of me going and getting the beers, <gasps> you did that. I got the beers. Yes. Uh, yes. Wow. Got a, got really a, changed things up. Yeah. I got a message from Aaron midway through the week saying, oh, I've, I've got the beers for the recording. And um, I won't lie, Aaron. Uh, I was a bit annoyed. Bit, bit frustrated with you for that one. Um, <laughs> I get the beers, yeah, <laughs> oh. and you robbed you robbed me of that. Um, I didn't get to use my Dan Murphy's card, and <laughs> I'm afraid. And uh, you, I bought you a beer. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. But um, looking at what you bought, uh, <laughs> I, also, I also wonder what on earth to, is wrong with you. Describe uh, the can to me. There's a uh, there's a skull on it. A skull, yeah. It's in a nice sort of like lime yeah. green. Sort of, um, sort of color, and then some sort of bird on top of that. Um, yeah, a nice little bird sitting on top of the skull. I'm not really. And it's got like a, a saint-like halo around it. Like it's a. Oh, is that a moon? That's that's not like a halo. No, it's, it's not, definitely it's, not. I thought a halo. it was like a saintly bird. It's half of why I got this can. Oh. Well. Yeah. Well, well, I guess that we'll just throw it out then. Yeah, cancel the podcast. No, no. No, it's not. What it's not a halo. No, it's not. Well, how about I introduce the? How about we, because I'm in control now. Now we're going to introduce the beer before we introduce the topic of the episode. Oh wow, Jesse, yeah. um, this is a milestone. Yeah, you're you're in control. I'm in control, yeah. and I'm going to tell our listeners that this beer is called Karma Oatmeal Stout. Oatmeal, yes. oatmeal stout. stout. That's, what, that's what stood out to me the most. Um, when I took one look at this can, I thought, yeah, Aaron's finally lost it. Uh, <laughs> look, I primarily chose it because the can looks amazing. Yeah. So nicely designed. It makes me want to put it up on a shelf. I think there's been a few beers in mm. uh, in previous episodes where that has been the only reason we we selected them. Yeah, look. Because the can it's looks It's a good nice. reason. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, who, who brews the oatmeal stout, Aaron? Um, it is the Hop Nation Brewing Company. Um, in Melbourne, it's a Fitzroy company. Ah, yeah, so yeah, it's quite okay. local. Yeah, Very local. Yes, uh, I found it in the shops, and I was like, "This is good." These cans are expensive. Expensive. Very, very expensive. Very expensive. Um, so okay. it's only for you know for special occasions like oh. like today, but just for you. Oh, Aaron. Yeah. Wow. Thank wow. you. So if you're out there looking for this beer, you know, get ready for a treat, but also save up. You know, yeah. put away okay. a few pennies. Not that we have pennies in Australia, but yeah. Um, cool. So this beer supposedly um, uses malts and specialty oats to result in a smooth, creamy mouthfeel and hints of mocha. Well, we'll be the judge of that, won't we? Yes, yes, yes. we will. All right, cool. Right, yeah. Shall we? Shall we crack? Yeah, crack the can. Oh yeah. I'm gonna give it a whiff before I I taste it. Definitely smells like a stout. 
Ooh, that's real stouty. Definitely tastes like one too. Ooh, yeah, yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> <This> a <is> stout. <laughs> oh boy, drinking like a cereal. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right. Well, well, don't mind it. I'm going to be full by the end of this. Mm. All right. Thick. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll come back to that um, as we go in the podcast. See how you're going with it. Mm. See if you're surviving. But this week. We are talking about kind of maybe a bit of a wrap up because um, this will be the last episode for a little bit for like a few weeks mm. um, because we're trying something a bit new. Yeah, what yeah, are we, we doing? are. We're uh, we're wrapping up season one of the podcast, Aaron. Season aren't we? one. Yeah. this is the finale. That, Whoa, that's it. We uh, <laughs> we decided we're gonna we're gonna branch out and do some seasons uh, on this podcast, <laughs> uh, and so we've kind of wrapped up. Uh, all the the previous fifteen episodes into a, a nice little package titled season one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to be coming at you uh, maybe a little less regularly. So we're going to space out the time a little bit. Um, was it monthly? Yeah, I think we're really yeah. about monthly. And and the reason why we're doing that is not just because. We're sick of this and we never want to do this again, which is obviously true. Um, but also- I've, been, I've been looking for a reason to stop like having to hang out with you for yeah, a while look, now. Aaron. We're not actually, we're only like like podcast friends. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but yeah. yeah, we just don't like each other. Mm. Just don't worry about it. Um, anyway. Just come on, speed this up. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, no, wait, wait. So, so we're doing, so we're doing it month, we're doing it month, monthly because we want um, to spend a bit more time on each episode. So we want to actually yes. like do a bit more research, have the time to actually like go in a bit more depth in terms of the topics. Because at the moment mm. we're kind of talking about from our general experience, which we thought would be helpful. Yeah. Um, but we kind of want to do some things, uh, do things a bit different, put a bit more effort into each episode. And that's just going to take more time, and obviously because yeah. we both. W- have full-time stuff going yeah. on. Full-time yeah. jobs and commitments outside of that. Um, yeah. And a little bit more time to bring uh, you, the listener, um, yeah. some really uh, good quality content. Hard-hitting um, journalism. Yeah. Yeah. Good, 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 It'll, good. Um, hopefully be a, a really positive um, you know, experience for everybody, except um, Aaron and I who just have to s- spend more time together. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's less time. It's fine. Oh, yeah, true. It is less, actually. What um, are you talking about? Yeah, yeah I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm zonked. Yeah, like that spear's hit me really yeah. hard. Anyway, let's move on. Cool. But yeah, today, though, we're talking about um, how we've gone about kind of learning. So part of uh, how we've found that we've grown as... Um, people working in mental health is doing this podcast by learning from a whole bunch of people. Mm. There's also a whole bunch of other ways in which we've been learning as we've started working in mental health. Um, we thought about, we thought it'd be good to talk about those things, like things that, ways we thought, good ways for people getting into it um, or people looking to learn more. These are some really good ways to, you know, get your head around the big world of mental health mm. um, in a good way. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, you know, obviously starting out in, in mental health as a, as a new graduate uh, clinician or, or even someone studying, um, learning is obviously a huge, huge thing that you go through. You learn so much in, um, you know, in those, those, uh, those early years of, of work, but you also continue learning throughout the course of your career. And I think, um, you know, getting into some really good habits with learning early on uh, mm. could be really quite, quite useful. So how about we kind of maybe start, start with how about like let's start with things that were kind of maybe unexpected so things that you when you got into it you learnt about mental health or ways in which your understanding of mental health um 
expanded in in a way that you didn't like think would be the case in getting into mental health. Do you have like things that that come up like that? Um, yeah, kind of. I, I guess I, I think when I um, when I first got into mental health, uh, obviously, I think I think I touched on this in in some of our earlier episodes. Um, you learn uh, a whole bunch of information to be an expert in your sort of specific area. So, mm. you know, for you, Aaron, social work for myself, psychology, and then, you know, other people working in mental health as well, you're, you know, occupational therapists, nurses, all of those sorts of things. You're learning um, really a very specific lens um, mm. of, of information that, that um, you know, your profession will view mental health through. Mm. And I think the biggest, um, I guess, sort of shock or thing to, to kind of take on when, um, you know, that I noticed when, when I first started working in, uh, I guess, particularly public mental health was, um, I guess, adapting to, the f- to, to that. The, this, mm. uh, the fact that every everyone else is coming from it from a different lens and, um, you know, developing an, an understanding and an appreciation of the way that those different, um, you know, professions will and, and disciplines will learn, not learn, um, uh, approach mental health. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I find that quite a lot. Like, I think that, like, this, because of the people that I worked with, I realized that, well, um... I gained maybe a great appreciation for different aspects of mental health work that I didn't, I guess it weren't really big focuses. Like I, I thought, oh, I'd be working with, um, you know, like anxiety and depression. And like I, in, in my mind, when I first started, like those things you can kind of work on in isolation. Mm. But it's like, okay, that's a specific thing. There are people who work on other other random little niche things or whatever, but I'll work on that and also learn about, you know, acute mental illness and how to support people with that. And then that'll be good. But as I learned more and worked with people, I realized that one, there's a whole other big world of lots of, lots of other stuff yeah. that is really super interesting, but also intrinsically like intertwined in the other kinds of mental, like, so-called like typical kind of mental health presentations mm. i suppose especially in that acute setting yeah yeah uh, it's like yeah i mean i'm gonna come in and i'm gonna work um on treating this this disorder and you know i know uh you know the research says this is how we treat it and mm. uh, but you know the research doesn't doesn't tell you like you know that in, in acute mental health like um like really in in the public system that there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on uh in conjunction yeah. with the mental health disorder that uh, you know, treating the mental health disorder isn't really going to resolve any of the problems or the difficulties that, that this person is experiencing. It's like you have to, um, you have to really open up and expand how you go about doing that. And, and yeah, because I, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's definitely like something that when I was studying social work, is definitely a massive, um, a massive part of what we're taught is being able to see someone in their full context, all the different. Um, I guess you you call it mental health psychosocial as a way mm. to kind of almost separate it from the mental health in a way, um, but like things that are like um, related to relationships with others or um, financial issues or um, housing or whatever it mm. might be. Lots of things that are going to impact on that person's mental health, but aren't specifically categorized in mental health. But mm. yeah, but they're like yeah intertwined in a way that you can't just neatly separate. Yeah. Um, yeah, like one one of those things, um, not psychosocial, but one of the things that I, I think really made a big difference for me is working with um, p- 
people who are very interested in like neurodevelopmental disorders, yeah, so, like okay. things like um, um, autism spectrum disorder and ADHD, and learning so much about that and how that is a huge part of people's experience of a lot of people's experience of um, their mental health and things like that, and how that interplays the mental health and how like the, like the different kind of possibilities of diagnosis and how. I guess so often people get misdiagnosed with those kinds of things and get labeled with different mental illnesses. Mm. When sometimes it's neurodevelopmental. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge thing I think um, I learned and something that I wouldn't have learned nearly as deeply if I hadn't spent so much time with colleagues and teams that are actually really interested in that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think neurodevelopmental um, disorders in, in mental health are really quite, quite fascinating. Mm. Um and just neurodevelopment more, more yeah. broadly, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. No, I think. Um, okay. Do you do you reckon that? Um, like, what do you think draws you to to that neurodevelopmental side of things? Um, I think it's it's interesting because it's like uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like a it's like an extra layer of maybe complexity in assessing what is happening for the person in front of you that I hadn't really considered before in, mm. in such a deep way until it was a consistent part of what I was doing yeah. in my role. Um, yeah, it was more like a more like a thing that like maybe I would like, oh, is it maybe something like that? Refer on to someone who knows mm. a lot more than me rather than really seeing how it interplays um, with the psychosocial and the... Um, and mental health in general yeah like that. yeah um so i think i find it yeah it's just like another world it's also just re- i think it's just really interesting yeah yeah it's just it's just like it's just it's hard to describe why it's so interesting but mm. it's just like the the complexity of how differentiating how like is this a particular mental illness or is this more related to neurodevelopmental mm. or is it like trauma related and how yeah. all those things kind of how do you distinguish between them and yeah. how that affects how you do treatment? Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a whole thing. And then yeah. you get the ones where it's like, hey, it's a bit of neurodevelopmental. There's a bit of trauma going on there. And then, you know, on top of that, they're, they're presenting as like, you know, incredibly anxious and depressed. And it's like, well, yeah, you got the, there we tri- go. Tri- yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's a mixed lolly bag of, of stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, that's, yeah. and it's so, it's great to be able to work with those, um, with yeah. people with that kind of stuff and be, it's like, it's really exciting to be yeah. like, let's, let's unpack this and figure this out. Yeah. Mm. It's cool. Um, also things like, um, another one of those kinds of elements is like health and like physical health, mm. um, how that interplays with mental health. Yeah. Um, and I mean like I, in work, in my training social work, you do get the general sense that, you know, health and mental health are too siloed and they need to be together but you don't really get a sense of what really that necessarily looks like or like why they're siloed or what the problem is necessarily Mm. um until you start doing it and then and even then when i first started it's like i think the mental health system in general is pretty separated from the physical health system but you do i guess you do realize that um especially when it's very explicit, like this person has a, like a specific physical illness and mm. you can see how this diagnosable illness is actually part of what's causing the mental illness and vice versa. Yeah. 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 No, I think, um, I think there's definitely, um, utility in, within mental health and really focusing mm. on with, with clients. Okay. Well, um, 
how can we make some maybe improvements or shifts in, in your physical health or um, maybe not even necessarily making shifts or improvements, but how can we get you to um, recognize and appreciate a bit more mm. the importance of um, um, you know, managing your physical health? So I think it's, um, you know, within, within DBT, they talk a lot about how, um, you know, if there's something physically that's, that's, that's wrong with you, like if you have aches or pains or, or something like that, mm. um, Go, go and get it checked out like manage it you know yeah. let's let's actually deal with this because you know if we if we keep that sort of stuff um you know going without addressing it mm. it it does it brings us down a bit like yeah. um you know nobody likes being in physical pain um mm. actually take that back um some people do yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah i think the the utility within uh you know mental health and, and working with uh people in mental health of um Focusing on their their physical health is it can can have some really wonderful effects. Yeah, yeah. yeah and mm. I think what was it like um the episode with um Chris um a few weeks ago how he was talking about um the um that people with mental illness on average have poorer physical health than yeah. people um without a mental illness and how that's a big gap that needs to be addressed partly mm. be- partly because of the mental illness itself but also because the mental health system is so isn't very yeah. well integrated with physical yeah. health and so mental health gets focused on the physical health gets yeah. neglected it it feels a bit weird sometimes when i don't, I don't know if you've noted mm. noticed this aaron but when you kind of um try to work with clients on that it's mm. like it kind of feels like that very um cliche sort of your body's a temple <laughs> like you know to treat it as though it is a temple um, and but that's kind of that's kind of like how it is though when yeah. when uh when you focus on the physical health in, in mental health you, you know your body yeah. is is this um we know that the, the mind and the body are connected and and you know if we pay attention to and treat our body in a um you know, really good, healthy sort of way, then that's mm. going to have impacts on our on our mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of things. Like another thing, like I mean, just maybe. And just another briefly. thing, another thing, <laughs> just briefly, is also, um, just like well, another thing that I was surprised is like a big part of um, mental health that I hadn't considered is um, how to um, work with people with empathy and care and reasonable boundaries and stuff when they. Um, are really distressed and in mm. crisis because of mental illness or because of whatever situation that's going on um, and how to take care of yourself, but also um, maintain really good, you know, boundaries and yeah. professionalism and care and empathy. Yeah. So they're really engaging with people well mm. um, in those kinds of situations. That's something that really, um, I, I thought going into it that I'd be pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, but then just like the, and then maybe initially, but like, then just like the reality of it coming at me constantly day after day, just kind of wears at you until you realize, like, I actually need to be conscious about how I'm doing this. Yeah. I can't just wing it and just hope my general sense of mm. empathy is going to carry me through. And I think there's, um, that's, that's a pitfall that a lot of people in, um, you know, early, early career really can uh, are at risk of falling into i know that there's been plenty of times with within my practice where i've wanted to do more or too much almost um Mm. and those boundaries maybe weren't um weren't as firm at the start of you know my Mm. my career as as where they are now um because you know you're eager you're 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 really passionate about what you're doing and you're wanting to really make Mm. make some some good positive change and so you you go that extra mile for your clients at Mm. sometimes at the detriment of your own 
um, you know, well-being. Yeah. And so being able to kind of high, like identify that and then and then say, okay, um, I may be doing a bit much here for my clients. Mm. Um, I need to start taking a little bit more care of myself because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to take care of my clients. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And also like recognizing that like no matter how empathetic you feel that you are, if you're coming up with, you're coming against having to use your empathy in such an intense situation over and over and over again, it's going to wear at you. And so you're going to have to be conscious of that mm. and not just assume you'll be okay. Yeah. And it's, it's not just certain people who become jaded or people who don't care. It's like, you know, it's just a human reaction to yeah. dealing with people at their worst a yeah. lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, cool. I think um, one of the, the other things now that I think about it that I, I was really... I think struck by hmm. uh, at least over the last two years of, of working in mental health is how much the system kind of like handballs things over to other parts of the system. Like, I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, think, I think yeah. We, we touched on it the other, the other day when you and I were just chatting out, like we, we do actually have a relationship outside of the podcast. Don't lie to them, Jesse. I've never spoken to you outside of a podcast setting. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <That's my bad. laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah, the fragmentation. Of yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like um, uh, I won't name any names of, of like services or anything like that. But, um, you know, um, oh, you're, you're in a care team for uh, a, a, a client or whatever. And then... Um, you know, maybe some of the organizations or, or players um, in that care team notice that another service has picked up. So yeah. they hand, they're like, oh, we'll just handball it on to them. Yeah. And then they handball it on to them. And then other, you know, those services are like, oh, okay, well, this, this these are now involved. Let's handball all of it over to them. And I, I, I feel like, a, like sometimes, particularly with the more complex cases, there, there can be a bit of handballing. And I found that to be a bit like, whoa, okay. That's yeah. that's tricky, and then having to work on okay, how can we motivate and really engage not just the, the young person but the care team around them to want to yeah. not handball? I think is just as important. At times. Yeah, well, yeah, and this is something actually I wanted to talk about in terms of after like the next topic I want to talk about is like different ways in which you can learn and the kind of areas that maybe you want to focus on in terms of improving um, your understanding. And one of them is about systems and how they. Um, they fit together. And I think mm. part of what, um, why the mental health system is so kind of fragmented, and it's one of the big things that the Royal Commission, um, Victorian Mental Health Royal Commission, um, is wanting to address, um, is because in general um, systems, bureaucratic systems, they kind of, the way in which they function, they lend themselves into siloing. So like mm. you specialize in this thing, you specialize in this thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not really very, it's more like it's built like a production line as opposed to like a cohesive, holistic thing because that's yeah. much more complicated and messy yeah. and it, it kind of rubs against the kind of bureaucratic system. And so it's a lot of work to actually make it, um, so for a team to work together yeah. in like a holistic way, yeah. um, a lot of extra work, um, which is what like actually the, 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 the work I'm currently doing at the moment is trying to develop a model that kind of is more cohesive and I can tell you it is very complicated yeah like the amount of processes you have to develop and like issues you have to make sense of so that all these different contingencies make sense and that people aren't put out or mm. that um 
there is consistency and people don't fall through the gaps because there's lots of people responsible for the same person at the same yeah. time. It's very complicated. Yeah. Um, but definitely a much better outcome because people aren't machines, they aren't cars on a production line. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's hopefully mental health is moving in a better direction yeah. but you, but at I'm the sure, moment you're gonna to have to work within that system. i'm sure with you at the tip of that spear aaron <laughs> well, that uh, yeah. mental health is going nowhere but up i'm, uh, not, respo- and I'm high- not responsible for the direction yeah. <laughs> so 20 years from now uh if if we're critiquing the mental health system just remember that uh, aaron rajamani was at the forefront good um good great thanks i look forward to your emails <laughs> But anyway, so so one thing that's worth learning about is, um, as you know, it before we go into that, how you going with the beers? Beers, 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 beers. Um, look, I think I've I've mentioned this uh, when we have had stouts in the past. Mm. Not my go-to. Yes. Um, I don't mind it. It does kind of have an interesting aftertaste in it. I've noticed. Um, like mm. it lingers. The t- the taste lingers a bit Ooh, for yeah, me. Oh yeah, it does too. Um, I really thought about it. I don't want to use the word abrasive. Because I don't think that accurate at all accurately describes how I'm. <laughs> then why would you mention the word at all, Jesse? Because it is kind of like <laughs> it has a bit of a uh, um, you know a bit of a bit of kick, bit of bit of punch to it, mm. but not in like a, a really negative sort of way. Yeah, so, I'm yeah. really tasting the oatmealness of it. I'm not really sure what the difference is. I yeah. mean, it's kind of like th- thick for for uh, is that called? Thick. Hashtag T-H-I-C-C. Thick. This is a family-friendly podcast, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, nothing non-family friendly about that. Uh, <laughs> kids have no idea what we're talking about. Mm. All those kids working in mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hints of mocha. I definitely get the hints of mocha, um, which I don't mind. Yeah. Cool. Um, All right, cool. Well, well, I, yeah. I like how it says on the back here, ready to enjoy all year long with karma on your side. Oh. Uh, karma, where are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming after you finish the beer, obviously. Yep. Oh, Aaron. What? My phone's just giving me the alert. That, <gasps> the sushi's arrived. Well, no, it hasn't arrived, <laughs> no. um, but Uber Eats is on its way, uh, uh, which is great. Let my hopes. Love up, that. Um, not only are Aaron and I enjoying a beer together today, but we, um, yeah, we are recording this at around lunchtime and yeah. I am. Um, I decided we should get some sushi. Yeah. So nine nine minutes away. Yeah, getting lunch together is a really good yeah. way to pretend to be friends. You know, what, let's not even pause the podcast. <laughs> you can you go down when when it gets here. Answer the door, and I'll just go into some some monologue rant here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, moving on. Um, yeah. So we're talking about, so talking about ways, um, good ways to learn. Uh, so one good way. Um, one good thing that is important to learn is organizational structure, I suppose. Mm. Um, that's one you may not expect that would be important. And maybe you had some kind of organizational type class in your uni degree and you're like, this is a waste of time. Yep. Turns out probably more useful than you'd expect. Yes. Especially (laughs) if you want to work in public mental health. Oh Um, yeah. Like if you're working privately, maybe not as, not as much. But even if you're working for like an NGO or something like that, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, definitely appreciating um, how organizational structures and systems work, I think is, um, is something that you learn very quickly um, or that you are forced into learning really quite quickly. Mm. Um, But um, that I think once you wrap your head around can be both. Yeah. frustrating at times yeah but um 
I guess you, you come to appreciate why they exist. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think um, bureaucracy has a bad name to it in this mm. day and age, I suppose. But it is also the checks and balances that prevent, you know, wild decisions from yeah. really yep. messing with people's lives. Mm. Um, so you need those kind of checks and balances to make yeah. sure things are done right. Um, I mean, you know, potentially, you know, significant, um, significant outcomes from when working in health. For mm. sure. um, yeah, so... But um, I suppose part of it is, I suppose, something that actually I'm not particularly good at is like being able to build good relationships and network so that you can kind of build that care team well so yeah. that you have those um, so that you can be like, oh, I can just go see that person and maybe I can bring them in mm. in a way that's not conventionally part of the bureaucracy to make get the best outcome possible for yeah. the young for the person you're working with. Yeah. Um, can I go around things, see where there's flex, see where yeah. you can make things work better than they otherwise would. And um, you've, you've got a pretty good flex as well, Aaron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you look, yeah, wanna I want to see it. It's oh. a shame this is an audio-only yeah. podcast. It is a shame, isn't it? Our <laughs> listeners are really missing out right now. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm honestly very happy yes. that they can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think, I think to your point there, I think... Um, yeah, with with uh, working on engaging not just the the young person or the the client in front of you, mm. but the systems around it is um, that's something. Yeah, I, I think I also learned really quite early on. But also something that really energized me within my work was this idea oh. of if I can get really good at engaging systems mm. and other agencies that we're working with, yeah. that can like just the process of um, having a good relationship with. Um, you know, individuals within other organizations, when you're on a team with them and mm. they really enjoy working with you and vice versa, you really enjoy working with them and, and you enjoy what they're bringing to the table, mm. you're almost, you're motivated more to actually want to oh, yeah. really um, do some some good work. Like it's not to say that you're not motivated to do work good work otherwise, but it just, it energizes you a bit more. Absolutely. Like it makes those like difficult, like cold mornings when you're waking up and going to the office much better when yeah. you know you're like walking into... A team that you want to be yeah. a part of, yeah, and say good and, day to. And so things like when you're when you're communicating with other organisations that are, you know, your client is always also mm. linked in with. It's almost like kind of treating them like, a, not like a client as well, but mm. like you you want to be building that good relationship with yeah. them. You want it to to um, you want them to enjoy, like to leave that that conversation that you have with them thinking I I really enjoyed that mm. that interaction with that person. Um, so I think that's probably one of the really key things I've learned. Um, over the last couple of years in, yeah. in mental health. Yeah. And I, I think linking into that, like the other thing I, I was thinking about is also like, um, I guess learning from getting experience from your colleagues as you go and kind of intentionally gaining experience, mm. I think is super important as well. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, there's only like, you can go to like, um, you know, specific, like trainings and things like that and learn how to do a specific therapy or work with a specific client group. And that's all like, that's really good. And it's almost like, it's one of the things I want to talk about mm. is like about intentionally upskilling yourself um, consistently. Cause that's really important. Cause like the amount you, the amount of learning you get just from a uni degree is not enough to be like a good mental health clinician, in my opinion, mm. like it, like it's enough to, to begin. Yeah. But like, 
if you want to be consistently good throughout your career, you'd need to be like constantly yeah, making yourself that, better. And I think the, um, you know, the system recognizes that as well in, yeah. in the, you know, the requirements for continual professional mm. development that, um, that we have to go through, yeah, yeah. which I think is a really good thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so, mm. But one thing that's like an informal way to do that is definitely through the experience of people around you to really yeah. value that and be like, like really want to learn mm. from them. Well, and that's it. Like we learn so much from just communicating with other people. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I think you'd be pretty hard pressed to find, uh, you know, an interaction with another person where, where you can't go away, where you can go away from that and think I, I haven't, you know, learned or taken anything from it. Yeah. And I think there's very few people I've ever encountered in mental health who haven't been like genuinely excited to share their knowledge Mm. of mental health with you when you Mm. want to learn. Yeah. Most, in my experience, most people who work in the industry really care about it and want to teach people about the stuff that they know if they don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that really um, sings to the importance, Aaron, of establishing really good, uh, networks within mm. within mental like within your um, your area your field but also branching out of that I guess into into other areas of mental yeah. health as well establishing those networks and really um, you know engaging in those conversations and learning while while talking with other people like um, one thing I really like to think about when I go into conversations with other people is um, you know that idea of when you're communicating with someone you know and just and and it's 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 true all the time Um you know, appreciate the fact that the person you're communicating with knows something that you don't, and there's always something to learn. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. And and I think that can be really quite quite helpful when it, when applied again into into mental health and, and life mm. more broadly. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And so yeah, I think um, yeah, learning from professionals is super important. Um, but I think something that we've talked about before is that learning from the people that you work with is also a really big part of mental health. Yeah. I think like somewhat, I don't know if you, I would say it's unique. No, probably not unique, but like, I feel like it's a really key part of mental health. Mm. He's like learning from the people that you work with. Cause I'm trying to like compare it to like physical health. And I don't like, I mean, I don't know if this, I've literally have no idea, but I don't imagine like GPs are like trying to learn from their patients about how to be a good GP or, or like what, but I mean, surely you learn as you do things through experience, but like you're you're opening up the door to just be blasted. I know some some physical health. Oh man, I'm going to get slammed. I'm going to get canceled. But I'm no, like, I feel like it's, it's almost like it's something very important within mental health because I don't know. There's like something about the understanding of how you deal with a mental illness, but mm. uh, maybe that's, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe so I'm thinking about like physical illnesses where mm. doctors maybe don't really understand what it's like to experience it. But like, mm. there is something about um, when you deal with um, a mental, a way you're supporting someone with mental illness, where they really understand what it's like to go through that experience yeah. more than you could ever and, possibly. Yeah, and it's that idea also of um, you know we all experience you know, poor mental health uniquely. Mm. And so we have to constantly be evolving yeah, our, our right. um, con- um, conceptualization of what that looks like and what that can present like and the different mm. ways that that can ch- chop and change over time. I think, yeah. um, I think if you, 
you know, you, you take your sample of like 15 people or whatever and then you say, yep, I'm done. I know everything there is to know about X disorder <laughs> because I've worked with yeah. 15 people with that disorder. <laughs> well, then you, you, you're just yeah, going to... You, that is... Yeah, that, you, that you're, you're going to hamstring your... Your hamstring? Yeah, hamstring yeah. yourself um, yeah. moving forward because you, there's always more to learn. Yeah, and I guess it's like also like that, like it's the cliche mm. that, you know, the, the person you're working with is like the expert of their yeah. own life because yeah. they are and... You yeah. have general knowledge about various situations that might be similar, mm. but you don't know the specifics of that context. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really draws me to psychology and working in mental health more broadly is, um, you know, obviously we're not, a, not a physically demanding sort of role. So we can do it for a very long time if we want to. And it's not like we're a tradie and we have to retire at like 60 because our bodies are physically <laughs> exhausted. I mean, I'll, I'll be pretty satisfied if I make it to 60. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. No, oh, I just no. took a duck turn. <laughs> uh, no. uh, but like, you know, let's say we're doing this job and, and we, we, you know, we don't want to retire at, you know, the retirement age of 65 and we keep kicking on until we're maybe 70 or 80. Mm. Um, I anticipate... In fact, I know that, you know, when I'm 79 and working with clients, I still have so much more to learn and I will never stop learning in this profession until the day that I, I, I hang up the boots and say, we are done and dusted with this, with this role. There is no more learning that I want to engage. But yeah, even after that, I, I, I can imagine I would still want to be learning. Mm. But uh, I think that's one of the things that really excites me about working in mental health as well. Yeah. Hang on one moment. Oh, is the sushi here? Jesse? You- yeah, I... Th- I th- Oh, I think it's very close. Uh, my my phone is <laughs> my phone is going the bonkers. It says up sushi updates. Come on, come on! It says zero <laughs> minutes away. Like it, the, the guy is is quite literally just around the corner. We're talking um, about serious stuff, and you keep interrupting us with no sushi. At least let there be sushi. <laughs> I mean, okay, whatever. <laughs> you just bring me down all the time, <laughs> all the time. But, you know. I feel like I can't do anything right when I'm around you, Aaron. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, in terms of, like, kind of, like, that kind of more academic-style learning, so, like, um, research and doing that kind of stuff, what would be your kind of thoughts or recommendation around how to do that well without it being unreasonable or, like... Something that you can actually learn consistently, but not be like having to spend every night pouring through journal articles or whatever. Mm, that's a good question. I think um, being really intentional around what it is you want to research and upskill on. Okay. Um, so, you know, at, at the start of your sort of CPD cycle, saying, okay, here are things I want to upskill on, here are things I want to learn on, and, and, and being really quite specific on that, and then, you know, doing the research from there, mm. um, rather than, you know, being really quite vague and saying, you know, I want to learn heaps you know, heaps of broad things. Um, yeah, getting getting really specific, and, and just slotting out a bit of time, like, you know, it can be, um, you know, maybe an hour a week or, or something like that, that not doesn't even necessarily need to be that, where you can engage in a bit of a search, find some articles that you want to put on your reading list, and then, um, you know, hmm. with, within, you know, next week in your next hour, reading through that, hmm. um, I think can, can be a really fantastic way about keeping up to date on things. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciating that, 
we can't be on top of everything because this is just too broad of a topic, mental health. Yeah. Um, and so finding that area maybe where, and I think you kind of go through this when you, when you start out in your career, you find there are different presentations or different um, themes within the people that you're working with that you're na- you naturally gravitate a little bit more towards. Okay, yeah. And sure. so there might be some presentations where you, you, you feel really energized and excited about working with them and then some where you feel maybe challenge you a bit more that's just not for you. You don't handle those as, as, as effectively. And so, um, you know, being really, um, you know, finding that niche sort of area as well um, and being really intentional on how you research that. Okay. As, as I guess a bit of a starter. If you want, you can then go and do some research. That would be a good way to... <laughs> yeah. Good like, way I mean, I guess if you, if you have yeah. that, um, you know, if you are engaging in research as well, you get access to like, you know, university library subscriptions and stuff like that, which unlocks mm. the amount of research you can yeah uh, have access to and consume. So yeah. there's, there's always that on the on the table as well. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But I think when I, when I was... Before, like, because now I've just started, um, recently started back at uni, mm. and suddenly, like, now, like, when I'm looking up stuff, I'm like, well, I can just, I, yeah, I can just look up, like, I, I'm interested in this. I can actually just, like, look it up. It's just so much easier than having to find, like, some kind of free source or something to find research. It's just, it's just nice. So, mm. I don't know. I don't know what the solution to that is because I assume buying, like, a subscription to, like, 20 journals would be very unfeasible and, expensive and, and well that's it um i think if you were to in one single year buy a, buy a subscription to 20 different journals it's like i mean who has the time yeah <laughs> to digest all yeah. of that information i mean some people might i i know within myself i, I might mm. just wouldn't be able to i think mm. I'd, I'd go insane if i did that i think um uh, but, you know, journals very specific to what it is you're wanting to research, what your research goals are maybe for for the year or over the next couple of years mm-hmm. uh, and then buying maybe a, a one-year subscription to mm-hmm. that and, and going through those those sort of journals rather than, I guess, yeah, that very broad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to subscribe to, you know, 20 journals that just sound like, you know, maybe they're, they're cool or whatever and different yeah. topics and then you, you'll... you'll you'll find that you know there would just be a complete waste of subscriptions because you'd you'd find out midway through well I don't particularly this isn't an area that I'm as interested in as I thought so mm. um again I think it comes down to being really intentional yeah with with what you want to learn more about okay mm. oh cool i think also like one way to like e- an easy way to kind of get into it um learning stuff without if you're like if journal articles are just breaking your brain um is maybe like reading books mm. it's probably like maybe like a bit easier gateway into research as long yeah. as like a book that actually has research content in yeah. It, yeah um i think that can be super helpful as well yeah. but also like i mean books that have um um that contain the experiences of people with mental illness yeah. is going to be a, a huge benefit to yeah. you as well getting as much of that in you as you can yeah for sure i think um uh, books out there on on certain topics, uh, you know, you'll you'll find they have a lot of research in them. Um, if you know, at least a quarter of the book at the back section isn't dedicated to references, <laughs> yeah. then, then maybe not. But I always find that to be really, really good. like good. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know, okay, so this person has taken the effort to do the research, and and it's all listed there, and, yeah. and it's you know, it's um, cited and all of all of that. Then you, you and you know it's written in a way that's a lot more digestible than maybe yeah. um, some, some other research. And then I find that to be a really useful um, useful thing for um, like you know you're reading a book and then you you come up against a uh, section of that book and you're like, damn, that was really interesting. Yeah. So books can be, I think, a really good way mm. of starting to digest something in a broad manner 
and then narrowing in on something a lot more specific. So mm. you, you get into a section and you're like, oh, this is fantastic. Mm. Um, I really like this. I'm going to go and read more on this very specific sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think a really good example for me on that one would be um, when I was reading The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. I've mentioned oh, this yes, already yeah, before. Yeah. There was um, a section on it, I believe. It's either that or it was The Brain That Changes Itself, one of those two books yeah, by sure. um, Norman Deutsch. Um, <laughs> it's talking about, um, oh, God, now that I've gotten into this, I've forgotten what it's called. The um, that the Vagus Nerve. Ah, That's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know, quite a broad sort of book. Got onto the section of The Vagus Nerve. I was like, oh. This is really quite interesting. I'm going to read more on that. Okay. So there are a whole bunch of different topics. Hone in on the vagus nerve. Bang. Oh, so cool. books can be really useful for that, yes. I think. Also, like, yeah. um, when I don't have the brain power, but I just want something to absorb, TV shows are really good. I found some really, mm. really, really great ones that have really, like, expanded my understanding. Yeah. Um, one really good one is of watching on, um, on SBS. Um, the SBS app is... Um, What's it called? Uh, um, addicted, yeah. which is like specifically about um, the experience of. Um, sorry. Yes. <laughs> the sushi has arrived. Yes. I'm very distracted. Uh, oh, bring it. You. Bring it here. Bring it here, Keegan. Thank you. Yes. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna unpack this in the podcast, or should we? I wait? feel like that's maybe a bit much. Maybe a bit much. <laughs> well, oh. I'll, I'll finish my thought and yeah. then we'll come back to it. But um, yeah, no. Um, yeah, addicted is a really good one about um the. Um, turning point program at um, Box Hill. Yeah. Um, where they're, they're yeah. Um, like doing a new um, method of working with um, people with various kinds mm. of addiction, which is super interesting. Um, the, the experience of that yeah. is super interesting. Or like, um, oh, it was a really funny one um, about um, like funny, like it's like, it's like kind of like played it. There is like a, like a lighthearted, a bit funny, a bit like not too serious um, about um, people with, um, autism spectrum disorder and how they're like trying to f- um, work out relationships and yes. how that works. I was going to bring yeah. that up like yeah, as, yeah. as like one yeah. of my favorite ones um, that has been really helpful for conceptualizing autism and the difficulties yeah, it was that super they, helpful. they experience. Like really yeah. re- had a big impact on me understanding. So tell um, our, autism. tell our listeners what it's called. Oh, um, it's called actually I love on the spectrum oh, oh, love on the spectrum yes. that's right yeah, season yeah. one was fantastic i loved yeah. it i found myself just smiling the whole way through yes but also learning and um you know a lot about what it what it is like mm. to live with um you know autism and then um uh, you know some of the difficulties that they go through with regards to romantic uh you know relationships that was um, yeah, just really interesting. I yeah. think season two comes out soon, and I'm really keen for that. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay, I'm pretty keen yeah. for that. Yeah, <laughs> cool. All right, sweet. Um, so we've got a little bit. Um, well, probably nearing the end of the podcast. But how about we just kind of, um, we'll just finish up on. Um, I suppose. I guess what are the things that for you? What would you? What reasons would you tell someone? this is a field to get into or to stay in or like what, assuming you do, assuming you're not leaving yeah. the field tomorrow. No. <laughs> what are you, like, what are you now doing? you're forcing me to have to break the news oh, no. to, to everybody. No. Um, I'm dropping out and getting into finance. Uh, <laughs> For the money side. Yeah. No. Um, I think some of the things that we've talked about today um, really kind of highlight why I think it's worthwhile getting into mm. mental health. And that is you are always learning no matter, no matter what, um, 
you know, how much you think you know mm. about mental health. There's always, always more to learn. So yeah, I think uh, from, I guess, an intellectual standpoint, it's quite stimulating in that regard. Mm. Um, so you're always learning new things. You're always kind of being challenged um, around your thinking and your learning. But I also think for me, maybe a little bit more specifically as well, I think outside of work, um, working in mental health has helped me in a, in a lot of other ways as well. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest one that I can kind of think of is, um, you know, my communication styles and abilities, I think, have, have, been, have improved quite significantly through working in mental health and, um, mm. you know, having to kind of learn uh, new skills within that regard. Um, I yeah. think it's been really really um key for me and my experience in mental health and so i would say that you know the fact that you're continuing to learn new things with regards to mental health but then more broadly with regards to life as well Mm. to me that is is something that's really exciting and let's be real here it's bloody entertaining aaron (laughs) (laughs) um i think you you are constantly faced with new things where you're just like Jeez, I was not expecting that when I came to work. I'm glad I experienced that. And, yeah. um, you know, this has just been, yeah, really, really quite an interesting, interesting Yeah, it's experience. just like, yeah, it's just fulfilling in so many ways, yeah. right? It's fulfilling yeah. intellectually. It's fulfilling on an, like, emotional level yeah. in which you're directly able to support yeah. people in difficult situations. Yeah. It's just like, And I yeah. think if you work in mental health and you don't learn things about yourself while you're doing it as well, it's like you're, yeah. you're not doing it properly. Yeah, you're really good <laughs> as a person from yeah. working I've and yeah. this short time that I've been working in it, I've definitely, yeah, yeah, it's huge. What about you? What what would you tell someone uh, maybe looking at getting into it? Um, I think it's just a, one one thing, well, apart from what I've just mentioned, also just like, it's just like a lot of opportunities. Mm. There's so many opportunities to get into it. So many different areas that you could get into. You can move around into so many different specializations. It's yeah. just, yeah, like world's your oyster in terms of what you're interested in and figuring it out, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and it's also like a growing field at the moment, especially in Victoria. Yeah. I'm um, definitely going to grow quite rapidly, quite quickly over the next few years. Mm. Um, so the opportunity is only going to increase. So yeah. Can, it's fantastic. Good, Exciting space. Good, good, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. How about we get to the beers? The beers. The beers. Yes. Remind the, people, Aaron, what we were drinking. We, are drink, we were drinking the Karma Oatmeal Stout. Yep. By Hop Nation Brewing, Brewing Company in Fitzroy. Yeah. Uh, right around the corner. Have one final swig mm. and collect my thoughts. Mm. Well, in terms of the quality of the presentation of the can, definitely 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like I like the, the colors. and yeah, it's, si- it's kind of like simple, but... Clean. Clean. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's got a skull. there's a bit going on. Yeah. yeah. Symbolism, maybe. Who knows? Mm. Um, but um, in terms of the beer, look, I'm a fan of stout, so I'm maybe a little biased. Um, it's it's not blowing my mind in terms of like the like you know it's not ex- it doesn't feel that exceptional in terms of the best stout, but it's it's good. Like it's yeah. a good beer. I would definitely drink it again. Wait, how many stouts have we had on this podcast? From memory, I know. not too many. I think this maybe the third, maybe the third. Okay, yeah. well then I can't remember what one of them was. I think we had um, the. We had the hat lifter, hat lifter, and then which was a very good stout. It was a good stout. Yes. Um, maybe we haven't had another one. Maybe this is the second stout. Hmm. Mm. Maybe. 
Um, oh, we had that weird one. The um, the the one where we went, when we went to um, Maribyrnong. Hargraves Hill? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was a stout. It was like a weird chocolatey kind of yeah. mess. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think Hargraves Hill knew what was going on with that, yeah. with that beer. Um, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I would agree with you. I don't think it blows my mind. Um, um, I mean, it definitely tastes like the mocha. So if you like that kind of like thick, kind of earthy, mocha-y kind of mm. creamy feel. It's yeah. your, it, I reckon that'd be pretty good for you. It's you like, like it's it good thick and earthy, don't you, Aaron? <laughs> I do like yes. it thick and earthy. Yeah, real thick and earthy. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a good, it's a decent dark beer. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I would drink it again for yes. sure. I think that that very thick sort of um, you know taste that you've described, Aaron, really mm. matches your beard nicely. <laughs> it is. A, it I is always th- look at your beard in uh, envy, and I'm just like that is a that is a dense beard. My beard is it, length is entirely in relation to how in control my life is. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like, and I'm in the middle of doing like this massive assignment and like works hectic. And so my beard is becoming much thicker and like lug- more luxurious. Yeah. Um, but once I get my life back in control, it's coming off. It's coming. Oh no. Oh, I like <laughs> it. Go it. full lumberjack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so f- final, final verdict out of five, Aaron. Oh yeah. Um, look, I'll give it, uh, 3.5 feels too low, but 4 maybe feels too high. Ah, oh, yeah, look, I'll give it. I'll give it a give it a 3.5. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was definitely better than average. I'd drink it again. Yeah, so. I'm going to go with a 2.9. 2.9. Yeah, we're we'll going go with that. into <laughs> yeah. decimal places. Yeah. Um, Real decimals. You um yeah, look, uh, I mean stouts aren't aren't my favorite sort of beer. Yeah. Um but I guess um, I think about the the stouts that I have drank, and it, it doesn't. It's it's not my favorite stout. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, two point nine, not bad. Yeah, cool, not excellent. But if uh, yeah, now if you're about the aesthetics, this is yeah. this is your company. Having said that, though, mm. um, five out of five for company for- while while drinking the beer. Aaron. Oh, really nice. thanks, Jesse. Yeah. You're I'm, the best. I'm really looking forward to season oh. two with you, Aaron. Yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many feels right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. But thank you, everyone who has um, listened to a or many or even all of all the episodes mm. for season one. Yeah. Really appreciated it so much. Yeah. Um, I hope you've learned something out of it. Um, I know we did. We have we learned, learned a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a fun time doing it, Aaron. Yeah, it was a good yeah. time. Good time. Um, we had a good time. And hopefully the uh, the good times can continue Keep with on the rolling. podcast. Yeah. Um, so we'll be pumping out episodes uh, more on a monthly basis at the moment. Yeah. No, well, not at the moment. Moving forward. Yeah. Um, and we're going to focus, I guess, on, I guess, a lot of research, um, researching topics yeah, we're not necessarily Quite, like, no. I mean, yeah, like research, yeah. not necessarily like, you know, like going, combing through research studies, but more so like spending more time trying to understand particular topics yeah. decently well, having some, you know, a bit more, um, I guess, reference material behind us so we can talk yeah. about a topic a, bit, a little bit yeah, more informed, so I think. Season one, I think, relied a very significant amount on our experiences and the experiences of our guests, probably more so actually. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely the experience of the guests. Heavily that the carried podcast. by the yeah. high quality guests. Yeah, we figured we've um 
we have been piggybacking on the great work of the guests <laughs> that we have had on our podcast. It's probably about time Aaron and I did something ourselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that is that is where what we're going to be bringing to you moving forward. Uh, we're really excited about it, and we really um, you know look forward to pumping out those episodes for you. Um, and don't worry, there will still be beers. Still be yes. many many beers. What are we going to call season two, Aaron? Oh, what do we call it? Um, season two, the beerening. The beerening. <laughs> oh, we were, we were talking about this before the podcast, like different sort of like movies that have like sequels. What we could we could call them? Attack of the beers. Attack of the beers. Yeah. Um, there was well, the desolation of beers. <laughs> The two, two beers. beers. The two. That, that's that's an obscure one. You got to be into uh, Lord of the Rings to yeah. know that one. The Chamber of Beers. The Chamber yeah. of Beers. I think I really liked Aaron. What? I really liked um, Fantastic Beers and Where to Find Them. Oh, the beers. The of beers of Grindelwald. Grindelwald. <laughs> <laughs> that <was> so good. <laughs> Uh, no, it's just beer supervision season two. Yeah. Nothing else. No fun. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have fun here. We're here to learn. All right. Uh, anyway. We've got some sushi to eat. All right. Yes. Amazing. So thank you everyone for listening. We will see you in a few weeks. Uh, or season two. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Beer Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. We record every two weeks, often with guests from the mental health field. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. Or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Beer Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time. <laughs>